Welcome to another episode of Kindred Conversations. I'm Paris Tews. And I'm Brittany Fry. I'm just going to start right off with what I'm feeling grateful for. Perfect. Um, tonight, actually, my mom just said we're getting together with the girls. We've been wanting to do it since Christmas. And I have three sisters and... Um, I do have a brother too, but tonight we got together (laughs) with my three sisters and my mom and we went to dinner and we went and made jewelry and my dad came over and watched Miles because Pierce is out of town just for the day doing work and it just was such a treat to spend uninterrupted time with my sisters and to know that Miles was in good hands and somebody else put him to bed and I just am grateful that my mom organized it all she like organized my babysitter my dad (laughs) she organized my babysitter like she organized the whole night and it was so fun and just felt like such a treat and I feel like sisters are just I feel so lucky to have sisters that's so fun that's so fun and so nice that it was just like all taken care of it was so fun it was such a treat be there yes I love that like uninterrupted time with my sisters is such a luxury like I don't remember the last time I had that totally no I love that too that's so fun Um, okay. I have had a hard time thinking up what my gratitude moment is, but, um, I'm going to say we had COVID last week (laughs) and I'm so grateful that we're over it. It's done. It's over. I mean, you know, people a year ago probably thought it was over too, and then they got it again. So I mean, who knows? But honestly, this this round, you're (laughs) done with this round. Yes. And I'm feeling so grateful that we're all healthy and it wasn't horrible and we're doing okay and we love each other and are able to get out of the house again. And if you love each other post-quarantine, that's, exactly that's always right. a good sign. <laughs> that's exactly it. was like a couple days in, I'm like, okay, I could see why all the moms were complaining about quarantining for so long. Yeah. Like, this is going to be rough. Yeah. But, um, no, it's been really pleasant. And like at first, obviously when we were all sick, it was not so fun, but, um, the boys were like, are at least old enough to be entertained by TV, which was nice. Yeah. You know, there, I feel like there's an age when they're just like, yes, not entertained by the TV when they're sick and they just need you to just like hold them and care for them. And that is really, really exhausting. It's demanding. Yeah. So this was actually nice that they're like a little bit older and like they were entertained by TV. And then once they started to feel better, like. The last three, I was just saying to Johnny today, I'm like, we haven't turned the TV on in like three or four days at all. Like not even for a minute because we've just been like having a lot of fun together and that's so great. spent like time in our backyard and on walks and like, anyway, it's just been really good. So I'm happy to be healthy and to, for that to be over and yeah, good. That's moving good forward one. with 2022. That's <laughs> such a good one. I feel like, yeah, everyone's had, everyone's had COVID, so I'm sure everyone can relate. Oh my gosh. It's been, I, I feel like. I mean, I hear that it's bad everywhere, but I don't know, like, what it's like in other places, if it's as bad as it is in Utah, but right now, it feels like literally every single person has it, or has had it. It's wild. Yeah, we got it, we got it um, a few weeks ago, and so we're in the same boat. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so today, we have been talking about this episode, so I'm glad that we're finally doing it. I know, me too. It's Britt's favorite, she said it was her favorite self-help book of 2020 so yes okay I want to introduce like just my idea Paris and I were talking about it a bit um and honestly today I'm like oh we should have reached out to Greg we should have had him record with us um 
But we were talking about, like, the book is, it, I actually think it's mostly geared toward businesses, but I love that it's so applicable to just life in general and throughout the entire book. Like, there are some chapters that definitely are a little bit more, like, um, career-heavy, but in general, I would say he gives examples through the whole book that are just like applied to families or an individual in a you know random situation. So I like that it applies to a bunch of different areas of life. But um, by the end, Ferris and I were laughing because I'm like, okay, he like really drills in the idea. And like by the end, you're like, okay, I got it. Like <sighs> I heard it like a million times. Yes. <laughs> but, um, but I was telling Ferris, it's not necessarily that I'm like, oh, it's like the most beautiful book I've ever heard and like so well written or like not redundant at all because it's like fairly redundant but um I like believe in this message so 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 much and I think it's a really beautiful message message that he's sharing and also I don't feel like I have heard this message really anywhere else especially I feel like you're towards mom totally I feel like I feel like a lot of us and I think especially me I I'm a kind of I thrive being a little bit more busy, not necessarily with commitments, but I like to be active and have things on my plate and things to look forward to. Totally. And so I think sometimes I can tend to fall into the trap um, of feeling like, like Miles right now doesn't have any activities. So I can kind of be like, oh, there's this opportunity. Let me take this and this one and this one. And trying to fill our calendars that I'm not always intentional about it because I'm just trying to get through the You're like, sometimes. oh, it's just better to be busy. Totally. Right. Totally. But this helped reframe my mindset to, okay, what's actually important to me. Mm-hmm. And honestly, like one of my, one thing that is important to me is it is really important to me to get out of the house. So sometimes that will be activities that aren't necessarily so magical and we're just trying to get out right. of the house. But I think the value comes from recognizing what your priorities are. Totally. And making arrangements accordingly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So the whole idea of essentialism, he has this line that he uses a lot in the beginning and it's about discerning the vital few from the trivial many. And basically gives you a bunch of examples of an essentialist versus a non-essentialist. And at the very end, he sums it up saying that living a life of essentialism is about living a life of meaning and purpose. And the way that he has you do this is by eliminating all the trivial things in your life, which I feel like in today's day and age is is so unheard of. It is like, oh, add this on and add that on. And like, this is a great, you know, activity with your kids. And this is a really important thing to prioritize in your parenting. And this you should be doing in your marriage. And, and I fall into that should be doing, should be doing, should be doing. And, <clears throat> and nobody can do it all. And so it's like all about, and I feel like this has kind of been like how I've been coming into this year is like doing a lot of self-reflection and deciding what's most important for me and most important for my family right now, and then trying to make decisions accordingly. And that's kind of what this book is all about. It's about doing a lot of self-reflection and deciding what are the very few most important things in your life and how can you live for those things. Um rather than letting all of the little trivial things take over so that you can't be as meaningful about the big things. Um, one one analogy that he uses in the very beginning, just to kind of like set the stage so you can um, picture this, that I loved, he uses it throughout the entire book, is this closet analogy. And he talks about, 
He talks about organizing your closet and um, like the practice. Honestly, it was kind of like Marie Kondo is the way he really described it. Yeah. Her method of like thinking about the things that you love and like owning owning something just to save it for like a day that what if I happen to want to wear this scarf sometime in the future is so pointless and is actually taking up space in your closet or in your life. And so he's asking, are you filling your life with clutter and with things that you may want at some point in the future? Or are you filling your life with the most important things? One thing he talked about that I thought was so interesting. He talks about the origin of the word priority yeah and he actually said for so long it was just priority and it was never pluralized yeah and it now, wasn't like the plural form did not exist yes and yeah. now it's like what are your priorities and we all have like 10 priorities yeah. and like, that doesn't you, that doesn't really work it doesn't yeah. really work like that like you have to pick your priorities and yes you can have more than one but your list of things that are really really important to you should honestly be really small the things that you make the center of your life, that list should be really small. And I think we all should be very, very intentional about what those things are, who those people are, like our families, our kids, and the values that we instill in them and that we prioritize in our home. They just really, it's a really short list. And Mm -hmm. that's what we should be designing our lives around because it's so easy to just say yes to things. And all of a sudden you haven't, you don't have any control. It's just mm-hmm. like your life is what people have signed you up for and asked you for favors for. And you lost all of your, all of your control over that. Yeah. Um, yeah. He talks about, I thought this was so interesting. He talks about, it was his personal experience and his wife had just had a baby and he had a meeting later that day and he felt like he should be there. So he went to the meeting and he was just saying it felt so bad and he said that nothing ever even came from the meeting he was like trying to impress this new client bring these people on as clients and and it came up that he had had a baby that day and he said it was just like that was just uncomfortable like they didn't feel like he should be there and it kind of showed in himself a lack of real honestly character yeah and um so I feel like that's that just... he wasn't willing to cancel yeah, the meeting and say, yeah, like my it, wife just had Like one, they lost respect for him. You yeah. know, like I, I think anybody could appreciate saying, you know, I had a child today and I this is more important totally. than anything going on at work. Totally. And obviously as mothers, we're not going to miss our children's births. <laughs> but I do think that there are a lot of things that we say yes to out of feeling like we should or an obligation and there's always a trade-off when we're saying yes to something we are always saying no to something else and often when we're saying yes out of obligation we're saying no to what is more important to us mm-hmm. this book actually i do have to say it does remind me a bit i was saying how this message isn't like this broadcast like it's it's pretty rare but it does remind me a bit like hint i think it hints at present over perfect yeah i had that thought too um it's like a, a similar idea with this yes and no like saying no to things so that you can say yes to things. I think um, they kind of like overlap there. But something else that I thought was so interesting, tell me if you noticed this. So he obviously talks about like some some really apparent um, ways that you, or things that um, you should be saying no to, but you say yes instead because like you're a people pleaser. You don't want to disappoint someone or 
you know, he listed a few. Okay, but then he talked about this idea that was so interesting to me. And it was actually pretty brief in the book, but I just thought it was so interesting. I, I still have, I've been like turning it over in my mind for a few days now. Um, he talks about saying yes to things because the ease of getting them is like, like they're so easy to get. So an example he gave was um, you say yes to going on a trip that your friends, like let's say your friends own a vacation rental and they don't have anyone staying in their house that week. So they offer it to you and it's like so cheap. But the thing about it is like, it's not a place that you would be interested in going if you didn't have a deal. Okay, I thought this was so interesting because the thought had never crossed my mind before. It What would have crossed my mind is like, oh, an opportunity presented itself that wouldn't have presented itself otherwise. But the interesting thing about this, after he like reframed it for me, I'm like, yeah, I actually totally agree with that. Is that if you say yes to that opportunity and it's not actually something that you have been striving for or actually wanted in the first place, you're wasting time and money to do something that like wasn't even really a priority for you and that time and money could have gone eventually towards like a dream vacation that you actually wanted to take. Yeah. So interesting. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why that was just like really fascinating to me that like sometimes we say yes just because it's easy to say yes or easy to get something. And that is not, you know, it's like buying something for a really good deal just because it's a really good deal. And like that is not and it sits in your closet reason you don't enough value it. exactly yeah. to, to do those things. Yeah. And there are a million things like that. Um, it even was making me think of one example he gave that was really relevant to our phase of life. He said that there's this family he knows. They're really, really close. The marriage is so happy. And he said, what is your secret? How, how did you become this close in this way? And they said, the answer is they said no to everything else outside of like, obviously they had work and other obligations, but they didn't do book clubs. They don't do golf tournaments. Like they don't, they don't do hobbies outside of their family unit. And while personally I I do value my friendships as well and I do value other hobbies, um, like that wasn't a value for them. Their value was they just wanted that family time. And so they went all in on that family time and they reaped the benefits of it. And like I said, like that... <laughs> it's like kind of an extreme example yeah and but. that's not what worked for me but it did make me think okay next time I am invited to something that has a monthly commitment if you're going to be committing to something monthly like you need to really stop and evaluate whether or not that's going to contribute to your priorities I totally agree it's so easy it's one of the things I that he talks about too is like um going along with like reasons that we say yes to things is FOMO. He like mentioned that, that like that is a big reason that we say yes to things that we really should say no to. Um, is just that we have this fear of missing out. And like, I loved your example of like a monthly commitment just because, um, that is like one of the easiest ways to be like, wow, every single month, a group of people is going to be getting together and I am not going to be there, you know? And that's like such a big reason to say yes but really, if you like turn it around, like you're not really saying yes to that. You just don't want to say no to that. And like, that's why you end up saying yes. And when you commit to something like that, like you're right, it is like, that is a long-term commitment that's going to be taking away from 
possible other priorities. Maybe that is your priority. And if so, then great. But it's, it's just like such an interesting idea of like really, really deeply prioritizing and like looking within yourself, doing a lot of self-reflecting to figure out what's most important. And then, and then not just like focusing in on those things, but learning a strategy to be able to say no to the other things so that you can like, uh, put your, what is that? <laughs> What's that phrase? Put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. Speaking of which he, he says in this book, he's like, okay, so now that we're learning how to be essentialist, you're going to be saying no a lot because that's part of being an, a true essentialist, which is what we all are striving to be. Somebody that prioritizes the things that are most valuable to them. But he says, anyways, you're, part of that is that you have to say no. And if you're like me, you hate saying no. I want to be the person that says yes. I want to be somebody that shows up and contributes and is just there for everyone else. But ultimately, if I'm saying yes to everybody else, I'm saying no to my family and my mental health and my priorities. Anyway, so he says, now that you're going to be saying no a lot, now that you're an essentialist, he gives some tips on how to do that. So he says, own an awkward silence, um, pause and count to three before delivering your reply, just so that you can kind of actually think, is this something that I want to say yes to? Um, he says, you can say no, but, and then you can offer another way in which you can contribute that you are comfortable with and that works within your boundaries. Um, he said, you can say, let me check my calendar and get back to you. So don't be rushed into saying yes, just because you're put, put on the spot. Um, I thought that one was a really good, at least for me, that was like such a good tactic. Totally. Cause it's like, it puts off the no, you know, yeah. and it leaves the door open, but then it like allow, it like kind of diffuses all the tension of that moment for you to be able to like say no a little bit easier if that is the case. And then I think they can understand and respect too that you gave it thought totally. and realized it wasn't going to be a fit. You weren't just automatically responding yeah. yes or no. Just like rejecting it. Yeah. Um, he recommends email bounce backs. You can also do text bounce backs or things like that. Just like I'm on a vacation with my family. I will get back to you in a week. Um, and this was more specific to in a workplace, but he said, if you want to say yes, you can say, yes, what should I deprioritize so that I can make room for this? Basically my plate is full. What do you want me? It's mostly uh, talking about, um, like with your boss. Yes. Yeah. I love that. I think that's such a good response. I think so too. Yes. I'll do this for you, but I'm not going to have time for something else, what do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. Because there's, like, such a culture of, like, anything your boss asks you to do, like, gotta fit it in there. Totally. <laughs> anyway, I love that idea of, like, no, this is unrealistic, so here's what we're working with. And, like, let's work together on this. Um, yes, I agree. He recommends you can say it with humor. Um, he says you can use the words, you are welcome to X, I am willing to Y. And the example he gives, if somebody wants a ride to the airport, he said, you're welcome to my car. I'm willing to leave my keys out for you. (laughs) And that's a really nice way to say, I'm like, I would love to help you, but I'm not willing to take that time to drive you to the airport. And also with things like that, like, I mean, I think it's great when you can ask your friends for help. And I think we should always be able to do that. But also like, I think that there's a level of respect that comes when you know that when you're asking a favor, the person 
wants to be helping you and they're doing it in a way that they're comfortable with Mm -hmm. like if I were to ask you for help and you were to respond yes I would love to help in this way totally that would make me feel so good knowing that I I'm not being a burden right like you're helping me in a way that you're comfortable with I feel like that's just really good for a friendship and a relationship in general being able to have those boundaries I think serves both sides and then finally he suggests you can say I can't do that right now, but you can ask this person that might fit their schedule, their skill set. Okay, I I love that. And I like that he, like, actually gave. (laughs) I just think it's, like, so nice. People can, like, talk about these, like, ideas and principles all day. But, like, I love when somebody gives, like, more really practical tips. Like, okay, you can literally say this. It's actually hard to say no. Yeah, exactly. Um, something I thought was really interesting in this, like, no conversation is he said, if you don't learn to say no, that, um, this will, this whole topic will just turn into one of those conversations about the most important things in life, and then you will never do anything about it. He's like, it's a great dinner topic, you know, that people talk about. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, what's most important? And then you never follow up on it, and it doesn't change your life at all. And so, um... He said that people who are true essentialists and like actually live in this way are actually very, very rare because a lot of us talk about it, but, but most of us don't want to say no to things. So then we end up, you know, other things just take over, take over our life, which I thought was so interesting. Yeah. It's a good thought. Um, he talks about a story of Stephen Covey and oh, I loved this story. It was such a good story. And I think really relevant. Mm hmm. But he talks about Stephen Covey took his daughter to a work conference with him and they had all of these plans for after the work conference. They were going to go get ice cream and see a movie and get dinner. And they'd been talking about it and they were so excited. And after his conference, he and his daughter are leaving and he runs into an old colleague who he hasn't seen in a while. And this colleague is prominent, a prominent figure and he wants to impress him and reconnect with him. And... He said, and not Stephen Covey, the colleague, says, it's so good to see you. I would love to connect. Are you guys free for dinner? Can we go to dinner? And Stephen Covey said, you know what? I would love to connect with you another time, but I have plans tonight with my daughter. And he was just saying, I I think his daughter told him. Yeah, he said that the daughter told Greg, the author of this book, told him the story like, a couple of weeks, I think, after Stephen Covey had yeah. passed away. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And he could tell just how much that had meant to the daughter. And I think how often are our kids observing what we're saying no to in favor of them? Totally. And vice versa, like what we're saying yes to in favor of them. And I think like tonight, my I was on the phone with Miles. He, my, my dad was watching him and he called me. He wanted to say goodnight. And he said, Mom, I'm feeling sad. I want you to come home. And... Honestly, I think it was good for me to be able to say, you know what, I'm spending I'm spending time with my sisters right now. And that's not something I do every night or all mm-hmm. the time. But you know what? Though they're my sisters. They're a priority too. It's important too. for you to prioritize them and for him to see that. Yes, and mm-hmm. I like feeling confident telling my son, you know, I'm somewhere that's important. Totally. And you are a, you're a priority and this is a priority too. It's not there because there honestly have been moments where I'm away from him and it's and it doesn't feel good. It was something I should have said no to. Right. And I have to live with that as well. And so I just think having that confidence of, you know what, I'm doing something important and I can, and I hope that 
my kids will remember too. Like they were my priority. Totally. I had that thought actually a bit while I was reading this book was, um, he gave up quite a few examples of like children being a priority. And, um, I was thinking about how I have like such a tendency to have a running checklist in my head. Um, and this is like very much my personality. I've always been this way. Like I like to, you know, think through all my plans. I think it can be a talent. (laughs) It can be. (laughs) And it also can be a total detriment. Um, I like to think through all my plans and sort of organize them to like the most efficient way. And, um, anyway, whatever. So while I, while I'm watching my boys throughout the day, I'll think through all the things that need to get done. And like, I try to get them done. I try to clean the whole house and I try to do the laundry and I try to schedule all the things on my phone. I try to respond to all the text messages, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it just had me thinking with this that like I could spend my whole life prioritizing tasks over my children. And actually without like kind of naturally, I feel like, um, over the course, this, this book, I had like read probably half of it before. That's why I said it was my favorite. I hadn't even finished it. I'd read like half of it last year and then I started it over and was reading it. And so as I've been reading it, like it's just been all, kind of like in the background in my mind, you know, it hasn't been like totally to the forefront, but I feel like very naturally I have been like taking moments to, um, to like if the dishes need done or maybe I'm even halfway through doing them. Um, but my boys like are wanting to read books or Wells is obsessed with Curious George right now. So like we'll read the Curious George book or whatever. Um, it has like made me pause and realize like, are the dishes more important in this moment or is my relationship with my child? And there are times where I know they feel loved and observed and, you know, watched over and everything. I have given them my attention and it is okay for me now to prioritize other things. But there are so many times when I think, have I even stopped to sit for 15 minutes and look at just them and let them know that like they are my priority? Anyway, that's just been like such a big, um, a big thing I've been thinking about and like have sort of, um, been putting into practice over the last couple of weeks is like really just like sitting down and being very, very present with my kids present. There's that word that so many people, um, are using for the year. And I think it's like very applicable in this situation to just like recognize like what is your priority if you don't like honestly think about it um, and and put it into action, then like other things will become a priority that you didn't intend to. You know, I don't want my dishes to be the priority of my life. Like I want it to be my children and I want them to know that. But the dishes will never be all the way done. No, they'll never be done. So it's, yeah, it's important that it's not just something I think with this book, it's not just something that... Um, that you can know what's most important and it will fall into place naturally. You have to be working on it. Mm -hmm. You have to put effort into prioritizing. You have to say, you have to say no to a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that you said that. And I, I was actually thinking that while I was listening as well. So many people said their goal for this year was to slow down and be connected and calm and present with their family. And I feel like this is how you do that. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I have actually been having those thoughts as well and thinking one thing I've realized is when Miles wakes up, if I take the first like 15 to 30 minutes of our day and just do whatever he wants, like we'll snuggle or we'll read books. A lot of times it's books or we'll like make pancakes together or whatever it is. And if I just really tunnel vision in on him 
like asking about him, like really it's just all about him and that moment of connection, then I feel ready to conquer my task and to do totally. for the day. But knowing like, okay, we have connected, like I have loved on you and mm-hmm. like you have you have felt that for me. I feel I feel like obviously we have a lot of things that need to get done. Totally. I mean need quote unquote. But I mean I I care about having a clean house. You're right. Like there are times that we need to get things done. But um yeah I just feel like having that time first thing in the morning mm-hmm. has been really a big deal for us. Yeah I like that. I like that a lot. Um okay something that he said he gave like a few ways to like live, live this, I guess, to, to walk the walk. So, um, he talked about, uh, like some main principles that kind of go hand in hand. Anyway, one of them was carving out time to think. And <clears throat> he called our day today a time starved era, which I thought was really interesting. Anyway, it made me think about the importance of morning routine. I just like all while he was talking about this time to think he talked about a lot of really amazing people that have accomplished a lot of amazing things and how they have scheduled time to think and have been very, very disciplined in setting boundaries around their time so that they are able to do to do these amazing things that they do. Anyway, and so it just made me, like, all while he was talking about it, it just, I kept thinking, morning routine, morning routine, morning routine, that, like, it is important, and maybe, you know what, if you don't want to have a morning routine, fine, but it's important to you to find a time, maybe it's a nighttime routine, maybe it's a nap time routine, yep, sometime to have time to think to yourself, and then along with that, I actually was thinking how important it is also to have time to, I mean, think in quotes, like, and um, brainstorm, I guess is a better idea, better, um, word to use with your spouse that, um, both of those are like so important to allow you to realize what's most important in your life and in your family life. And then to, um, really figure out how you're going, how you're going to achieve that. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. We don't really have time to think anymore. Yeah. We have to schedule it in. I love that. And I, um, I am preparing to have another baby, preparing to give birth, which is so fun. I feel lucky. I I loved giving birth last time, and I'm really, really looking forward to it. But it's definitely something I feel the need to prepare for. And so the past month or so, I've been really committed to finding time to meditate every day. And I've been doing it in the mornings, but I've been... I, I have valued my morning routine for a while now and now I'm settling into more having a nightly routine as well and that involves a lot of deep breathing and meditating and visualization and I have loved it. I feel like it just, I look forward to it. Like every night I've been looking forward to that time and I just feel like it's something that we forget is so important but having that time to just be with yourself is such a game changer. It really is. I agree. I agree. Um, I also thought it was interesting when he talked about space to think, he said, it's important that you have a quiet space. He said the louder and busier our lives get, the more we like the greater our need for a space with no distractions, which also the, <clears throat> this like kind of summed up so many of the things that I feel like we've talked about last year. Um, because also coming into play is this idea of, um, how to break up with your phone. 
Yes. Didn't you think that yes. throughout the book? I thought that was so interesting. So many times he talked about like putting um, boundaries on your phone or like putting your phone away during your time to think like our phone is such a time waster and it will never, it made me think of midnight library, how like it will never be one of those things that we wished would done in our life. We will never look back at our life and think, I wish I'd spent more time on social media. Yeah. Like, you know, and it was like such, just such a good <clears throat> A good reminder that we need like real, real thinking space with, with no distractions. Um, and oh, I was thinking about this. I, <clears throat> during my morning routine, actually this last week, I like finally, I think I was saying a couple weeks ago after the holidays, I was just like craving some routine back in my life. And so I like was getting my morning routine back and it was feeling so, so good. And actually one of these mornings, um, oh, sorry, side note. When he talks about routine as well, he talks about routines at one point in the book. Yeah. Um, he talks about how important they are and how healthy they are for our brains and how actually when we um, get like really into a routine, it actually frees our mind up because we start to go through the motions. Yeah. We so don't have to think about it. Yes. We don't have to think about a morning To routine. be able to think about other things. Yeah. Anyway, I was thinking this, um, maybe this is a bad example, but um, while I was doing my, rout- my morning routine the other day, um, I was reading my scriptures and I just, it was like epiphany after epiphany. Like I was having so, it was flow. It totally was. I was having all these good thoughts and like, um, a lot of realizations about like my life and what I need to be doing with the boys. And I don't know, it was just, it felt really good. And it made me think it was like such a testament to the importance of a morning routine or just like a routine in general. And then also that like space to think. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I I was surprised at how many elements of what I value this encompasses. Totally. Um, and it also talks about, I mean, kind of going along with the morning routine, but he, he talks about how so often in our culture we take pride in the fact that, oh, I don't ever sleep. I don't ever get sleep. And I think a lot of times as moms, I think especially when Miles was new, I would stay up so late because I was like, you know what, I, this is my only me time. No, totally. I'm going to stay up so late <laughs> and just like max, max it out. And, yeah. But I was so drained and dead that I was, that the quality of that time was so low. Yeah. Um, but he talks about, we take, like, we wear that as a badge of honor. Like, I only need six hours of sleep or yeah. five hours of sleep and I can function totally fine. But he talks about how detrimental that can mean he's like really successful people they sleep seven or eight hours Mm -hmm. because that's what's good for your brain good for your body and it makes you a happier healthier more productive human and um i think as moms we so fall into that trap of i totally feeling like we're super women we don't need that we need our show time or whatever it is at night and pierce actually has been the one inspiring me to go to bed early because he loves going to bed early (laughs) and it's honestly been so calm and relaxing I've noticed like I'm so excited to get ready for bed that if I don't have anything going on I like as soon as I put miles down I'm excited to go wash my face and take a shower and change into my pajamas and just start that winding down because that time is so peaceful to me totally I look forward to it. Yeah, I agree. It's such a treat. Rather than just like vegging on the couch Mm -hmm. until whatever time. Yep. 
And then like forcing yourself to get up and yeah. get ready for bed. Yeah. No, I totally agree. I loved this part about sleep. I thought it was really interesting because he also said, um, he's like, if you're a type A personality, it is not hard to make yourself work hard. Yeah. Like that's actually very natural. <laughs> and so he was like, if you think you're so tough that you can, I thought this was so funny. He's like, if you think you're so tough, you can do anything. Try to say no to an opportunity so that you can take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> Did you feel calm? <laughs> I was like, oh, I love this. <laughs> I actually, well, I was like, I appreciate, I am, I am a napper. I appreciate a good nap. But yeah, I would like, I'm like, when was the last time I was like, no, actually I need to sleep. Um, never. Yeah. yeah, no. Anyway, I just, I loved that he's like, no, this is important. He said, this is one of the most common ways that people exploit themselves. Like they, the first thing to go is like, oh, I don't need to sleep. And that's, he's like, that is not true. That is a lie. Well, that's like when we're talking about priorities and you are so quick to cut into your sleep. Okay. That's your health. Yeah. That's your mental health. And I, I don't know for me and long term yeah he talked about he gave a, he told a few stories in that section which was really interesting about people basically um what's the word but just like wasting away like their health yeah because they were running themselves down, yep running themselves for so long yeah 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 no but for me I'm like when I really look at what things are really really important to me and what things I want to make a real effort to prioritize in my life my mental health and sleep are very, or not sleep, but my mental health and health are very top of that list. And sleep totally. heavily impacts both of those. Totally. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, the other thought I had with this was that I saw somebody, somebody say this on Instagram. And I have thought about it a number of times, actually, in the last year. They were like, I used to be the kind of person who felt like I had to do everything and like push, push, push. You know, like I want to get all these things done. I need to push myself to do it. And she was like, and now, and she was a mom. She was like, and I am at a place in my life where I like want to trust my body and really believe that like I should be investing in myself. And I am totally okay. If I feel tired, I'm okay to take a nap. Like I'm going to let myself do that. And she's like, if I want to have a slow day, like I can have a slow day rather than feeling like I'm forced to have a slow day because I've been pushing myself too hard. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know why it like really struck a nerve with me, but I have like really tried to embrace that, like listening to my body because I feel like that's something that's important that I try to do in other areas. But, um, I don't know. So often we just think that sleep isn't important. You know, that phrase like sleep when you're dead. We think that sleep isn't important and, and it is anyway. So I love that he talked about that. But the other thing that was really interesting, and I bet Paris, I bet you loved this too. Um, (laughs) when he, when he talked about play, I'm excited to talk about this. Um, I mean, we talk about play for our kids all the time, but how often do we think about getting in touch with our inner child? Never. I actually was telling my mom this, this was like months ago, but I'm just thinking about it. Like I have, I have a couple of friends. I was telling my mom, like, I feel like when I'm with this group of friends, I feel like I am with my sister. Like just that inner child in me comes out in the best way, Totally. which is so fun. And it's so fun to have activities that bring that out and friends that bring that out. And I think that's something that we don't think about, Mm -hmm. but getting in touch with our inner child is so important. It is important. And that's interesting, actually, now that you're saying that, you, like, reframed that for me in a way that I think is interesting. 
I had this conversation actually with um, a couple of members of my family over Christmas. We were talking about how some <laughs> um, how some people like get weird really easy and some people don't. <laughs> and I am not a, I don't get weird easy. Okay. I am like a pretty, I feel like fairly. You're pretty normal. <laughs> yeah. Like fairly serious. I was a fairly serious kid. So um so that's like not so natural for me but my siblings I have a few siblings who are like so so goofy like so and I love it more than anything and anyway when we get together as a family like that is kind of our family culture is like we will be weird with each other and it is so fun (laughs) we were just talking about how a lot of families lose that that as they get older and get to be adults that like they lose, you know, when you're kids and there's a bunch of siblings and you're weird and you're tired and you're goofy and like, you'll just do yeah. anything. And everyone knows that feeling as a kid, but yeah. I think it's like actually pretty rare to like refine it as an adult. Yeah. Anyway, that's actually one of my favorite things is to play, like honestly play with my family yeah. as an adult. Like when we, um, we do this Mexico trip every couple of years and, um, this last time we went, it was just the adults. So no kids were there. And, um, we were looking for conch shells in the ocean. They had these beautiful, I mean, I've never, it was in Cancun. I don't know if this is like so normal, but they had tons of like fully, like they weren't broken at all of these conch shells that the waves were bringing in. Um, anyway, but you had to, you had to like find the right spot. Anyway, so we're searching for them. We finally find this spot that's like golden. It's got so many, but, um, like the waves are kind of crashing right there and it's like all the seashells are hitting your ankles and like hurts so bad. So we like started (laughs) this thing. Like every time you would find a conch shell, we would like, like pretend to like blow it like a horn in the air (laughs) and like make this horn noise with it. And we literally were out there for, I mean, a couple hours blowing, (laughs) blowing these conch conch shells every time I would find one. And like when you blew your conch shell, like everyone would cheer for you. (laughs) It was just like, honestly, it was a memory that I was like a dumb made up game. Like so dumb. And it was so fun. And I, I honestly like was just thinking about it over Christmas and like, I will cherish that memory for years. Like it was so fun. I love that. And I think that's an important element is knowing who brings that out in you. Totally. And I, I do think a lot of times you do, I mean, I, I think a lot of times you outgrow it, but I think a lot of times when you are with your siblings, like you do revert back to that. Yeah. And that's something that's really special to yeah. have. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I just think that like getting in touch with that part of you that feels light and fun and those activities that make you feel kind of silly. Like that's something that I, I never prioritize. Totally. I agree. But it's so, it's so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, he says in this book, he says, imagination is a source of every form of human achievement and we are losing it because we're just kind of becoming <laughs> robots. But I think when we really do take that effort to, I, I don't want to take care of ourselves and enjoy our lives like that's what it's all about and even if this is a business book but I mean he talks about like this is about being happy Mm -hmm. and that's all that really matters and connecting with the people you love like that is what is essential totally totally the other thing that about play that I thought was interesting is he said that the I don't remember what the word was but 
like the Greek origin of the word school actually means it meant leisure. And he was just like, isn't it interesting that like that it means the opposite. Yeah, now. <laughs> yeah. There is no leisure time in school today. Anyway. Yeah. It, it was just really interesting that like the whole idea behind learning and growing as, as an individual is, is this idea of like leisure and play. Um, okay. The other thing that I, the other like little plug that I loved because this actually went along with our, um, episode we had recently about journaling is he said how important it is to keep the big picture in mind if you're trying to be an essentialist, because we can get so caught up in the details, um, that we forget what, what our priorities are. And so he talks about keeping a journal. And then, um, one of the things that this is like an idea that we didn't talk about in our journaling episode, but he first said, write less than you feel like writing, which I thought was the best tip ever. Because he's like, if you feel like you have to write a ton, you're not going to want to do it the next night. So write less than you feel like writing. And then you'll be excited the next day. Exactly. You'll have more to say. Um, And then the other thing was that he said, don't worry about all the details. Like, and somebody did actually bring this up in our episode, but don't worry about writing like all the details of your day, you know, whatnot, um, like a traditional journal, you would think. But he said more write like the bigger patterns in life which in my mind felt like writing sort of like my emotions at that time, maybe my struggles or my hopes, you know, just like more like vague, larger ideas. Um, And then you will be able to see over time what things, um, basically like the patterns in your life, what, what's making you feel a certain way, what things make you happier, what things are most important to you, et cetera. Anyway, I thought that was a great tip. Agreed. Also, um, just talking about the big picture, it's making me think of a lot of conversations that you and I have had recently that I am sure a lot of people in our position are thinking of as well. Britt and I have been talking a lot about preschools <laughs> and it just feels like so overwhelming. We're both, we both have our oldest that are about to be in that phase of life. And, um, it just feels like there are so many options. There are so many good things. There are like so many good curriculums and this school's better at, at academics and this one's better at at sports oh, totally. and all of these different this things. This one goes outside and this one reads and this one does sports and this yes. one holy I was like wait how do you and know? it feels so overwhelming <laughs> it feels so overwhelming I'm like they're all good and there are so many good things and there are three days a week and there are five days a week and there are two days a week and Britt and I just I feel like we both came to a point today where we like took a step back and we're like <laughs> our kids are three. Our kids are three. They are loved. Like, whatever we decide for preschool, it's going to be great. Yep. Like, yep. it's going to be fine. And I think, too, I was talking to my mom about it. And it really is, like, obviously, it's it's an important decision. I don't want to minimize it. But at the end of the day, it's, it's preschool. Yeah. And the essential thing is how he's feeling at home. And obviously, like, I want him to be in a good environment. But there are one million good environments that he could be in. Totally. Anyway, so I feel like just kind of recognizing that and realizing, you know what, that's not even essential. He's three. Like, it, he doesn't even have to go. Mm-hmm. And if I don't want him to go, he's not going to go. And totally. He, like, it's going to be great. Totally. And I feel like that has really, really taken a weight off of me. And um, one thing that I thought was a common theme throughout this book is he talks about how 
being an essentialist takes courage because yeah. you have to say no and you have to evaluate and you have to be able to disappoint people and and like really take your deal own with stance. FOMO and mm-hmm. yes, yes, like you have to be clear in your values mm-hmm. and you have to have the courage to stand up for them because it's not just going the cards aren't just going to fall this way. Right. You have to be very intentional about it and that means pruning your life totally totally no i i'm glad that you brought that up because yeah i've wow just had so many different thoughts about preschool who knew preschool would be so stressful yeah but like i feel like one of the first like big decisions we're making it is it totally is it totally is but yes that was like our most recent conversation i there were like a number of reasons i've been really stressing about um bricks and preschool and then like most recently we were like they don't even have to go like when they're three like <laughs> you know like they could wait until kindergarten yeah. and they would be just fine yeah. so like we I read a lot know, of books at home yeah and we are gonna do pre- good, we are right. gonna do preschool but but at the end of the day we like, can take whatever. off 85 percent of the pressure yep 100 percent. i totally agree and the other thing too um i mean maybe this maybe this goes along with with preschool maybe it doesn't but um he brought up this point about well actually I don't know how blatantly he said this maybe it was my own connection about social media I'm not sure if he outright said this or not but this was in my notes um just about how we already feel social pressure and he did talk about how we naturally it is within us innate we have a very deep desire to go with the group to do what other people do to please other people like that is normal um But I was thinking about how social media plays a role in this. And the fact that we today can now the the group is uh, maybe a thousand people, maybe follow a thousand people on Instagram, you know, and that's big. Like that's, that is so much more than is natural or normal. (laughs) And like, we could talk about the benefits all day. But one of the things that I was thinking about is that now we can see what everyone's doing. You can see what everyone's thoughts are, what everyone's doing. And this feeling only grows of like, well, everyone seems to be doing this. So like, shouldn't I be doing this also? And it was interesting to me that he says that like the idea of everyone's doing this or shouldn't I be doing it also is actually like a horrible criteria to base your decisions off of that, that, um, it's, it does not in any way show what's important. And so anyway, it was just like a good reminder that, you know what, everyone might be throwing the most amazing birthday parties for their children, but that's not a good criteria for what's going to work for you. And you have to really like look inside yourself and look at your three-year-old and decide what he wants to do for his birthday. Totally. Um, (laughs) This reminded me of the quote from Mark Twain. It's whenever you find yourself on the side of the majority, it's time to pause and reflect. Interesting. And I I think that's a good, I don't think a quote just to realize it's one, it's one I've thought about quite a bit before, but you know, if you're doing what everyone else is doing, it's a really good time to stop and think, Am I doing this because everyone else is doing this or am I doing this because this aligns with my values my values and the life I want to create for totally. me and my family? Totally. I love that. Um, another thing that he said about purpose is just when it isn't clear what we want or what our purpose is, we start to confuse our priorities, um, which is like so obvious. But I think, <laughs> you know, I was thinking about... <laughs> about dinner tonight um johnny said do you want to go out or do you want to make dinner and i just 
I couldn't decide. Okay. I couldn't decide. I didn't know what I wanted. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I don't know. You know? And he's like, well, I, if you're recording, I'd actually really like if you, if we could go out because I don't want to be stuck with everything at home. I'm like, yeah, that's totally fine. We can go out anyway. And then he's like, okay, well, where do you want to, where do you want to go out? And I'm like, we are like naming a few different places and I'm like really struggling to like get excited <laughs> behind anything. And, um, and then next thing we know, we left the house to go to the grocery store to buy groceries to make dinner at home. <laughs> and while we were in the car, I thought like, we did not make a clear decision on anything. And we totally confused our priorities because like literally the first thing Johnny said was, I don't want to make dinner at home. And then because we got so confused about what we wanted, we then forgot that and went back to making dinner at home. And so five minutes on our way to the grocery store, I'm like, no, we are eating out. Like, that was the decision. We're sticking with it. Anyway. We are essentialists and we are eating yes, out. Yes. Anyway, it's just, I, I love that, that it's important to like take this time to clarify what your purpose is and, and what your priorities are. Um, because otherwise we become too concerned with impressing other people or going with the group or comparison rather than really spending our time with our loved ones and on the things that are most meaningful to us. Agreed. Okay. One story he told, I thought was just like really kind of summed it up perfectly. He said, and this is so sad, but the point is hopefully we can all, hopefully we can all take the point from it. But he um, tells the story of this family who lost their three-year-old daughter, which obviously the most tragic, devastating thing. But um, he was saying how the dad was putting together a video of her life. And he said he had so much video of the places they went and the things they saw and the things they did. But the video he had actually of her was so limited and he's like that's what was essential is her and I think that's such a good metaphor for when we're making our priorities are we focusing on the things we're doing and the things around us or are we focusing on the people that we love mm-hmm. and when we are planning our lives and organizing our days and going through our t- checklists like where is that priority? Because I want to look back on my life and the figurative and literal videos of my life. And I want it to be full of connection and the people I love. And I think that that is just everything. And I think that this book was really great at giving us some tools to be able to say no to what does he say? The, the non-essential few yeah, in favor of or the non-essential many in favor of the vital few. Totally. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, I know. How, like, poignant was that? Yeah. I mean, you can't, example. like, that, that, like, sums it, like, that sums it all up. You mm-hmm. can't argue with that. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, I loved doing this book at the beginning of the year because I feel like it, really set up a lot like it goes along with a lot of people's ideas um like the mantras or um word that they chose or goals for the year I felt like this was like really in line with a lot of those and I loved that and something that he brought up in the book that I just am like I'm gonna keep this in mind all year and I'm glad that I felt like it was in line with the, the goals that I'd already set for myself but um he just talked about how the essentialist doesn't set huge goals for themselves that they can't achieve they start small and they build to greater and greater things 
And how often is it that we set these really big goals for ourselves and then realize that they're too big and we're not going to get to them and then we don't do it at all. And the better way to go about it is to set realistic small goals and to build upon them over time to create this like really beautiful, meaningful life. And anyway, I just thought that was like such a great vision to have moving forward that like it's not the grit your teeth and do as much as you can and don't sleep and just push through it. It's this idea of like, no, be very, very selective and build a really beautiful life by the minutes and hours of your day. I love that. Perfect way to end. I'm well, honestly, I'm so glad we read that book at the beginning of the year and I hope that, I hope that you guys were able to get as much from it in this podcast as we did from the book. Me too. Um, And if you enjoyed it, we would love to have you back next week. We have a new episode every Friday. And if you enjoyed it, we hope that you will share with your friends. Have a great week. Thanks so much for listening. Bye.